Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue! Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast, Ted Linhart, Garrett Eisler. This week, we're going to talk about season four, episode 10, called The Pig Who Came to Dinner. A biggie, a, you could say. Yes. Why do you say that? I mean, I don't well, know that I would say that. I'm not saying, uh, I don't mean a biggie in the sense of like the best episode, but I'm saying it's kind of important. This is like a huge yes. historic event. Yeah. yeah and, and actually having done the research now, I can think that the timing of this episode was even bigger than I realized yeah so, it's one of uh, its most one of the series most uh, historic shows can i just before we go any further yes we had another show another episode that was the blank who came to dinner do you recall this the murray who came to dinner right so i think this and i forgot at that point that uh this is worth comment because the whole the blank who came to dinner is a thing you know uh, I mean, it recalls The Man Who Came to Dinner, which is a famous play and movie from the 30s, Kaufman and Hart. But that in itself was based on a proverbial joke. The idea that the man who came, the idea of the man who comes to dinner who never leaves. That's, that's the idea. That the, even the play, The Man Who Came to Dinner, is a, that title refers to a pre-existing joke. I don't know where that comes from, but it's proverbial. It's a proverb. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that this folktale of the so-and-so comes to dinner and never leaves. And so the Murray who came to dinner was a very appropriate use of that because he didn't leave. He was staying with them. And this one uh, is similar, but it's interesting that they use that again. Yeah, I didn't actually think about that. So I'm glad you pointed that out. This aired November 16th, 1973, November 16th, 1973, which is important as we get into the story. Uh, It is available on Paramount Plus. Who's our writer? So this is the first episode in a while that is credited to Mickey Rose. Now, Mickey Rose uh, is someone I take interest in as a huge Woody Allen fan, because if you're a Woody Allen fan, you know, Mickey Rose was the co writer with Woody of Woody's first two films, Take the Money, Run and Bananas. Um, And that's the reason for that is actually because he and Woody Allen were childhood friends. And he was Woody Allen's, one of his first uh, co-writers, but who then went on to his own career in television writing. Uh, uh, A lot of it in uh, kind of Carson shows, Smothers Brothers, variety show formats. But the funny thing is, even though he premiered an odd couple with Sleepwalker, one of our, I believe, one I could say, one of our favorite episodes. Yes, yeah. Sleepwalker. Um, that was in season two. Uh, he disappeared, but then emerges in season four as like a, a, a on the staff. He's one of the, um, I, I should have looked this up, but he's like one of the associate producers or, or like uh, on the permanent staff all of a sudden season four. And he writes four more odd couple episodes uh, in season four and five. And this is the beginning. This is the first of his credits uh, when he returns to the show. So uh, 
Nikki Rose is a, 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 a big writer in odd couple history, but also a, an interesting writer in his own right. So we open as Miriam and Felix are setting the table in the dining section of the living room. Oscar walks in from the from outside and says, he's not here yet, huh? And he's carrying two bottles of champagne. Felix says no in a way that makes it clear to us, the viewer, that he, whoever he is, which we don't know at this point, is somebody Felix does not like. Oscar is clearly more excited and says, setting the table, good, good. You excited? Felix says, I've had champagne before. Oscar says, yeah, but you've had it, if you had Bobby Briggs for dinner before. Felix says, Felix says, forgive me, <laughs> but to me, he's just not the greatest thing since Turhan Bay. So let's talk What's about that. Let's talk about both people. I, I didn't even know what term. Okay, was. so let's talk about Bobby Riggs because he's the whole episode. Let's just get into it. So he was a tennis prodigy as a teen and an amateur player in his youth. He became a professional tennis player in the late 1940s and uh, all the way through the early 1960s. He was also a well-known gambler. He uh, notoriously won over a million dollars in today's dollars uh, betting on himself in England. Um. Uh, his fame grew when he came out of retirement in 1973 to prove that female players were inferior to male players. And he did this first beating champion Margaret Court, 6261. He was 55, she was 30, and it was called the Mother's Day Massacre because they played it on Mother's Day. So that's May 73, six months before this episode airs. He had originally asked Billie Jean King, who was another woman champion at the time. She refused, but then she accepted after Margaret Court lost. By the way, I think it's interesting that you're a female tennis champ and your last name is Court and spelled C-O-U-R-T. I see. I get the joke, yes. Uh, it's not a joke. That's her real last name. <laughs> oh, well, it's also funny. Yes, I'm saying it's, it's interesting that that's the case. Yes. Uh, so... So now Billy G. King and Bobby Riggs play. They played in the Houston Astrodome, which is ginormous, wow. yeah, on, right. on September 20th, 1973. So less than two months wow. from when this episode aired, wow. which means it had to be only weeks before they filmed well, it. Let's be clear about this, right? Like the season, okay, we haven't been tracing air dates, we have to admit. but yeah, Yes, we have. What do you mean okay. tracing? Uh, I mean, just saying like September 20th, that's already the beginning of the season. Yes. Right. Yeah. So that means the season was underway and someone had the idea to, to craft. The, I mean, clearly this is not just Mickey Rose's idea. Right. But well, I, already, so ABC, ABC aired the ABC aired this event, which oh, is well, there you go. that must right. be how they got it. Yeah. And maybe even part of the deal was they were supposed to go on some TV show yeah, or so. something, how it worked. Um and Billie Jean King won all three sets, $100,000. And it was watched by 140 million people worldwide, 50 in the U.S. That's a big stat for 90 international. It's the most viewed tennis match ever still to wow. this day. Still, wow. Yes. I mean, uh, yes, it is. Um, On television, if you, don't, if you don't count like YouTube. Right? Well, yes. I mean, I, this is the Wikipedia stat. I, I work in TV ratings, but I don't have a way of hunting this down. It's very hard to figure yeah. that out. But I have to believe ABC primetime for such a notorious, yeah. event, notorious event in 1973. That is, is nationwide. High, that's yeah. higher than anything that would happen right. with the yeah. Wimbledon or US Open after right. that. Uh, it, uh, some people accuse Bobby Riggs of throwing the match, but there's no real proof of that. 
Um, and there was a movie made of it with called Battle of the Sexes with Steve Crow and Emma Stone several years that ago. That was uh, recently. Yes more, yes. more recently than this episode. Oh, yes. Pointing that this is a this this event has it was huge at the time and still has significant on pop culture because there was a movie yeah. about it. So the fact that they got, you know, who were still probably two of the most famous people in America yeah. or maybe yeah. the world at the time yeah. for the show, I would I do think I do have a way of actually I, it's too late. To, well, it's not too late to do it now, but there is at where I work. There are television ratings, undisclosed location, ratings books <laughs> for every week of television back yeah. to the fifties. Wow. And I probably could go figure out if the ratings on this episode were particularly big or not. Well, let's just say whether they were or not, um, uh, the people at the odd couple, the people at ABC had every reason to suspect that they could. And this is of all the guest stars. We've had many guest stars on the show. This is one example of a guest star actually having a case to improve ratings more than Edward Villela or Dick Fredericks, the New York City opera singer, <laughs> or uh, maybe Howard Cosell could have boosted ratings a bit. Or Monty Hall, but, maybe. Or Monty Hall, maybe. But uh, this is probably the best case for a guest star boosting ratings for the show. Well, yeah, the timing is was, was remarkable. Uh, so, and Turhan Bey was a Turkish actor in the 1940s. Oh, thank you. He was called the Tur- he was called the Turkish delight, and he was a, he's considered a matinee idol. Now, why? But why would that? Why I, that still doesn't explain the reference to me. I think. Well, Felix is saying he's just not the. I think he's pointing to some a matinee idol, somebody who people who get excited about right. seeing. It's an, it's more in 1973. A, well, I think he's yes. I mean, he could have picked a more contemporary reference. Yes. I think that's the joke. Is he's picking a 1940s matinee? Right. Yes, picking a 1940s matinee idol. Um, I don't know how many people in 1973 in the audience knew who that was. I don't know. I don't know if Torhen Bay was still meaningful in 1973. I can't tell. Certainly went over my head. Uh, so Oscar says people mob him wherever he goes, and Miriam says that's. Right, Felix. I know some women's livers who just love to get their hands on it. Is he really like the public image he presents? Oscar says, how's that? And Felix, Miriam says, obnoxious. Oscar says, come on, Miriam. He's a pussycat. Wait till you read the article I'm writing about him. He really got a great, he's really got a great sense of humor. So the doorbell rings. Oscar says, he left a note in my office today. Listen to this. At seven o'clock tonight, Bobby Riggs Mm -hmm. will kiss you on the mouth and you'll enjoy it. I'll bet you $20. So we're going to play what happens right after he says that. Who is it? Bobby Riggs. Is the bet still on? Yes. <laughs> my name is Roberta Riggs, but my friends call me Bobby. The man paid me $10 to do this. Hi, Oscar. you, Felix, and also a member of the weaker sex. Weaker sex? <laughs> isn't, isn't that just your opinion, Mr. Riggs? No. It's a proven fact. All through history, men have been superior. Right? Right. Bobby says a woman is good for cooking in the kitchen, cleaning in the living room, and fooling around in the bedroom. <laughs> Sweetheart, don't take that seriously. We're not all like that. Tell them about the time you beat that lady golf champ. It's just what are you trying to prove, Mr. Riggs? Simply this, that any man can beat any woman at anything 
anywhere, anytime. Just like your match with Billie Jean King? What match? I don't remember any match. No, he told me that was a fluke. Somebody hit his vitamin pill. You expect me to buy an alibi like that? Why, I could have beaten you that day. Miriam, he's a guest. Miriam, baby, you want to challenge me? I'll beat you at anything you want. What do you say, baby? First off, don't call me baby. Secondly, I want you to know that I think that you're the most arrogant, egocentric male chauvinist that I have ever had the displeasure of meeting. Thank you. Lose your number. Listen, I got the champagne. Come on, let's celebrate. I, I'm sorry, I don't feel like celebrating the arrival of Mr. Riggs. Come on, Felix. Mr. Riggs, I think you owe Miriam an apology. What for? I think you lost him, Bobby. He wanted to sign you up as a charter member of his new club. What's that? Well, it's a new organization he's forming to celebrate his manhood. It's called the Male Chauvinists of America. <laughs> Otherwise known as Riggs Pigs. I think I have a headache. I'm going to go home. Mr. Riggs, I don't have to join a club to celebrate my manhood. You want me to go with you? Sir? No, I don't care. Felix, she says she has a headache. You'll just be wasting your time. You're never going to get him to join your club now. Not only will I not join your club, but I will do everything in my power to oppose it, sir. Until you apologize to every woman in America, and particularly to Miss Welby. Fat chance. Good night, sir. And good night to you, sir. In five minutes, turn the oven down to 325. So he's a pretty decent actor, I think. Bobby Riggs. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I saw, uh, looking at my uh, Odd Couple 25th Anniversary Companion, Seemed to be some uh, uh, discussion about uh, whether he was good enough, but he he plays himself very well. Yes, yeah, so for himself, he plays himself very well, especially, I'm going to spoil something later, when you compare to himself to Billie Jean King, who is god-awful in, this, in the oh, end of this episode. Whoa, whoa. God, terrible. There's one particular scene that I will highlight that, <laughs> okay. <is> always, <laughs> that has always stood out as just how bad she is. Okay. At act, she's an act, I mean, she's a tennis player, so being you, a bad actor is not a problem. You go, girl. Okay. Uh, Roberta Riggs was played by Sandra Giles, who had a, lots of bit parts on TV, including a Quincy. Uh, she died in 2016. The next scene, Bobby and Oscar were finishing dinner in the living room or dining room. Bobby says, boy, Oscar, what a great dinner. Terrific roast. Oscar says, Felix made it. He's a great cook. Bobby says, that's what I've been telling you all along, that men even make better cooks. But what I can't understand is how did you ever wind up with a character like Felix as a roommate? Oscar says, Oscar says, oh, he's not such a bad guy. How about giving me a chance to get my $20 back? Bobby says, what 20? Oscar says, you know, Roberta rigs at the door when you came in. And Bobby says, oh, here, Oscar, that was just a gag. Take it. And he hands him a 20. But Oscar says, I can't do that. A bet's a bet. No, no, I got a better idea. Why don't we cut for high card? Okay, see who wins. Bobby Riggs says, I don't know. But they play, and here is that. This game, I'll show you, look at this, watch. Seven for me, three for you. Eight for me, four for you. See, I win all the time. Okay. okay. Double or nothing, let's go. Run it out. I go first. Eight. Ten. Just nip me at the wire. You got lucky, that's it. Okay, that's $40. Here we go. King. Sorry there, buddy. Ace. 
you're lucky you didn't make twice. You, little... you go first. Go on, 80 dollars. Three. Got you this to hurt tonight. With a two. That's a 160 student a minute, will you? King for me, four for him. Nine for me, three. Come on, went over here. Came on over there. That's a funny scene. I, I've always remembered. Yeah, I, I also love how it, it plays. It actually refocuses the episode on not just the Bobby Riggs, Billie Jean King thing, but on Oscar as a, a gambling addict. <laughs> He's basically an addictive gambler. And this is like the one of the worst examples of that in the show. I mean, worst as in most tragic. The next scene, Oscar is going through the rules of a second game. <clears throat> Bobby has to throw five playing cards in a waste paper basket in a row. Oscar only has to get one. As long as Oscar gets one, he wins. We see Bobby Riggs live. Yeah. Throw five cards straight in front. Yep. In one a, take. In, I, I counted it. One take. Yeah. But how do you know there's not other takes, by the way? There are no cuts. Is there no, no, no I'm sorry. But how, my question is, and I have this oh. point of, how do we know there wasn't another take, <laughs> a, a scene they just didn't use? It, how many times okay. did they film it? Okay, good question. Um, I'm just saying, as opposed to the next challenge, uh, in this one, it's true. Maybe he botched it and they, re- they started that's, over. That's what I'm saying. But in they did, Bobby Riggs did prove that he could do five in a row at some point. Yes. it was dry or the nth try, he yes. did do it. So we see him throw five cards straight in from about six feet away, and there's a very loud applause from the audience when he finishes this, which I'm going to play. Oh. <laughs> They're very impressed by that. It's a very loud applause. Yes. Uh, so Oscar goes next, but either Oscar or Jack Klugman in order to miss, he, he throws it with some sort of weird spin. Yeah. Yeah. He, he throws like with a spin on it and it completely misses the can every time. Right. right. Bobby's like throwing it very deliberately, very directly into the can. Yeah. So I believe that Jack Klugman can't, could maybe can't make five, but could make at least one. Well, I would say that it's a hard thing to do at all. I'm not saying I could do it five times in a row at all, but it, Given that Jack Klugman knows that Oscar has to lose this bet, why not just like go yeah. for the flourish? Well, the, he does. Yeah, the so little flick of the wrist that throws it off. For the spin makes it definitely miss. I mean, and he we could, should also. I, I couldn't help thinking during this that like Bobby Riggs already had to have, as we'll see, he does a number of things well. But you know, this had to be tailored to things that Bobby Riggs could already do. Yes, so and I, these are not randomly chosen. The other thing is Oscar had to not, or Jack Klugman had to ac- had to not accidentally get one in at the right, same time right. that Bobby Riggs got all five. Exactly. So then Oscar says, the next one is for the club chair, the two candlesticks, and the carpet. <laughs> and he misses a sixth time. <laughs> so the next scene, they're putting golf balls into a paper cup. Bobby gets five in a row again. But this one I noticed was not in one take. They did cut away. Okay, so I did he, not notice he, that. Yeah, he never, I went back, I just, because I, I was impressed by the card uh, flicking, but with the golf thing, I did watch closely, and they cut away once, and I did see him get two or three in a row golfing with the, with the putting, but not more than that. 
Oscar tries to blow on them as he's as the golf ball is coming by because he's standing on the side or kneeling on the side, but that doesn't miss. Uh, that doesn't work. I mean, the audience applauds again. So whatever they you love saw, it, yeah. they love it that he because they going along that he got all five. Oscar now takes off his pants because that's what he just <laughs> lost. So we have a new scene. There's an aerial shot of New York. Morning. It's dawn. Right. Next scene. Bobby and Oscar are taking their temperatures on. They're sitting on the couch. Bobby's looking at his watch to measure the time. Now Felix comes out of the bedroom in his robe, rubbing his eyes. And that leads to this scene. What's the matter? You sick? Huh? You got a fever? Mm. Uh, Time is up. 98.6. You lose. I'm going to go take a shower. Hustling tires a man. What is he doing? What What are you doing in your underwear? I didn't bet it yet. You mean you've been gambling with him all night long? Yeah. How much have you lost so far? Everything. You say everything, what do you mean by everything? When I say everything, I mean everything, Felix. Oh, Oscar, how could you? A knowledgeable newspaper man be hustled by this notorious hustler. It wasn't a hustle. I just lost. That's all. What do you know about hustling all of a sudden? I know. I own a pair of pants and a shirt. You're the guy standing here in his underwear. Well, just worry about yourself. All I care about is he gives me a chance to get even. I want this coming to stop and I want him out of here. Well, he's not leaving, Felix. How come? Well, what's going on? I thought I heard him leaving in the middle of the night. Well, he did. Well, what's he doing back here? He just went to the hotel to get his stuff. You invited him to stay here? Well, I mean, not exactly. Well, tell him to leave. I can't. Why can't you? It's his apartment now. I bet him the lease. You bet him the lease? It was all I had left. Tennis, anyone? How do I look? Terrific. Wish me luck. Where you going? I'm on my way to a brush match. Who are you going to play with? Twin grandmothers. I'm playing them for their piano. <laughs> He's not a bad guy. He promised he wouldn't raise the rent. So I have a question. Don't say anything. Yeah. Just let me ask okay. it. Don't, don't interrupt yes. yet. Yes. Okay. I've never understood this. Just let me get out the whole sentence. <laughs> I am. Yes. I don't understand the temperature contest. <laughs> a, a normal temperature is 98.6 okay yes. so oscar takes out his thermometer and says yes. 98.6 right which implies that the bet is to who has the normal temperature how does bobby why does bobby win at 98.8 and how does the audience know that he won oh ted oh ted you're thinking so rationally um so I mean, that's, that is what's funny is that you would think normally we don't know the bet they made. This is what's funny. We're kind of seeing this from Felix's point of view. Like Felix, you know, comes out in his robe, wakes up and sees them on the couch with the thermometers in their mouth. So you would think when Oscar said 90.6, he would be the winner, but 
it's a bet about numbers. So it's clearly whoever has the higher number. <laughs> no, here's why, here's why I don't believe that. Okay. Okay. Oscar doesn't say 98.6 like that. He says 98.6. He says it in a way that he should win because he's got the normal temperature. Right. Right. If it was for the high temperature, then he would say 98.6. He he didn't win. Yeah. Or he would know that he didn't have all. He says it as if he's locked to win. I see. Yeah. If it was for the high temperature, I would not be questioning right. if it was obviously for the high temperature wouldn't be well you're right if you're seeing it from the oscars point of view no i'm seeing it from our point, point of view, view. our but point of view the audience point of view yeah to me it's a kind of switcheroo where it's like this is all rational as far as you've described it but because bobby riggs is a jerk <laughs> clearly the bet was to get a higher number then, so. then no then oscar's tone makes no sense and oscar's yeah. tone is what i is can't and to me is not is not an error. Well, it is. Uh, it's hard to explain rational, but in a way, there's no joke. There's no joke. Like, you know, there's no other way to play that joke. Like once they committed to it being a temperature contest, what else, you know, if Oscar said, was he going to say 90.4? Was he going to say like 90.8? It's not funny the way it is. It's, that's not maybe funny. it's just not a maybe it's just a doomed joke. I think that's the case you're making. It's like this was the wrong way. To oh, well, my, my the original point I'm making is not it maybe <laughs> is, is that Os, Jack Klugman's tone yes. Yes. doesn't it's I, not a switcheroo, as you like to say. Oh, it's yeah. the wrong tone because unless Oscar forgets the bet yeah. and thinks the bet's for a normal. I know. Well, I, it's true. It doesn't hold up. I agree. The joke does not hold up when you think about it. But no, it would. You think about it. You mean the joke doesn't hold up when you listen to it, and if a joke doesn't hold up when you listen to it, in the moment when you're watching and you don't know what the hell's going on with the two guys with the thermometers in their mouth, it's kind of funny in the moment. If you think about, I agree. If you think about it for one more second, it doesn't make sense. When I was 12 years old, no. When I was 12 years old watching this, I was just as confused as I am. Okay. 38 years later, when I'm 50, I will take your word for that. I would love if somebody can write in one of our our pals, uh, Stephen or Lee or those people on Facebook page, the explain great the listeners joke. that make this podcast. Yes, uh, yes. If they can explain, <laughs> but they have to explain it, understanding that they can't break the rule that Oscar says it in a way that implies ninety eight point six is the winner. And why does the audience applaud? They don't laugh. They applaud. It's a surprise. It's a surprise no. punchline. No, it's they're not. Switcheroo. No, no, no. They're not applauding. Because it's okay. a switcheroo. They're applauding. Actually, I agree. They they're applauding Bobby Riggs a lot. Let's just put that out there. Yeah. Right? Like yes. Bobby Riggs, because of the celebrity of the moment, yes. as yes. you set up, he gets applauded. He got a big entry entrance applause. Yes. He gets applause when he does the, any of the stunts, whether they're edited or not. And that's the setup: is that he keeps beating Oscar. But he didn't. He obviously didn't do any. He didn't really have a temperature. He just reading, pretending to read a thermometer. So there's no. Well, if I were to take your side, here's what I would say is the biggest um, uh, indictment is that when Felix comes in and he's talking to Oscar, he comes and says, "What's the matter? Are you sick?" And Oscar's waves him off, saying, "Don't bother me. I'm trying to control my temperature." Actually, that's a giveaway because if anything, if the game is the higher temperature, he should want to be more uh, agitated. And uh, he waves Felix off. So there you go. All right. 
That's now, that you're on my the side. And, make on your side. Yes. I, I'm I don't, playing devil's advocate. I don't even accept that answer on my <laughs> side. I think there's a. I just think it's a flaw. I don't know. I think it's a flaw. Or it's, it's a not crazy. A, this is a pretty crazy episode. Or it's not. It's not. It's a joke that isn't explained well, or has a flaw in it. That's that's my conclusion. Moving on. New scene. Bobby's sitting at Oscar's desk in his office. Murner comes in. Oh, f- sorry. Before we get to the scene, we should explain. At the end of that episode, at the end of that clip, uh, Bobby Rooks comes out in a giant baby bonnet outfit. For right. Him. <laughs> and that's what he's going to play for. Well, you're describing this. it as a baby bonnet outfit. I yeah. Mean, he's playing two grandmas. He looks like some old lady in oh, is that circa, what that was? circa 1850. Uh, I always thought it was like he was playing like a like you think a, he's adult. a baby? I, th- I thought he looked like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it's kind of a. I think you're right. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. He's playing two grandma, and it's purely a psychic. There's no logic. No. Other than that, the new scene. So Bobby's sitting at Oscar's desk in his office. Murder comes in with that outfit in a dry cleaning bag and says, "Oh hi, Mister Riggs. I got your uniform from the Queeners. You're a strange little guy." (laughs) Which is a funny line. The phone rings, Myrner answers it and says, Bobby Riggs' office. Yeah, formerly Oscar Madison's office for whom we are still taking calls and whom we are loved very much. Just a minute, please. It's for you, Mr. R. I'm going to go to lunch now. If you need anything while I'm out, bet somebody for it. He picks up the phone and says his name and the, the caller should not worry. It's still on. I'll be there. Just make certain that she's still there. Now, Felix comes in. And Bobby ushers him in and Bobby's continuing on the phone and says, no, I haven't boxed in 20 years, but I'll get down to the gym. I'll work out. Don't worry about me. I'll kill her. Felix looks at him with a bit of shock. And Bobby continues to say, by the way, does she cut easy? Oh, good, good. Okay. It's all set. I'll call you later. Goodbye. Felix says, you're going to box a woman that is absolutely reprehensible. Bobby says, it won't be easy. I'm giving away 20 pounds. Felix says, well, in that case, it's perfectly fair, of course. I'd like to talk when to you. When he says, I'm giving away 20 pounds, I assume that means he's like boxing above his weight. Yes, yes. Right. Some, the, the, the woman is 20 pounds heavier than him. I'd like to talk to you privately, if I may. Bobby says, sit down. Felix says, thank you, in a way of like, you know, uh, annoyed that. Uh, how dare you? Yeah, exactly. It's not even your office. Yeah. This is about Oscar Madison. You claim he's your friend, but you capitalize on his weakness for gambling and you hustled him out of everything he owns and everything he will own for the next five years. Bobby says, ah, Felix, I didn't hustle Oscar. He just ran into a series of bad breaks. Felix says, oh, come on. Those were sucker bets and you know it. It was clear case of him being a sucker and you being the sucky. Now I'm asking you like a friend to help him. Bobby says, I'd be glad to anything for Oscar. I'm glad to anything for Oscar. I love him. Look, even though I want his office, I let him work out of here. And Felix turns around and he sees a small <laughs> yes. wooden box with a typewriter, <laughs> beer cans, ashtray, trash can nearby, indicating this is Oscar's desk area. Which is in, like shoved into the corner of his own office. Too. Felix says, that's very generous of you. But if you mean it, you'd let him get even. You'd bet him on something he could win. Bobby says, have you got any suggestions? Felix says, well, something that he's good at. He's a good writer. Bobby says, that's it. I'll bet him that he can't type his, na- his own name right in 10 seconds. Felix is excited about this and says, would you do that? Bobby says, Felix, you can count on me. Felix says, oh, thank you. You'll see. You'll love doing something decent for a change. So we're going to play the next six minutes. By of the, the way, yes. this last scene 
in Oscar's office when Bobby Riggs has taken over Oscar's office. I do not recall that from syndication Channel 11 episodes. I think that was, uh, must, I have a feeling that was cut in the first round of syndication and restored later. Maybe just putting that on the record. Okay. All right. So this is a six, we're going to play six minutes of the show now. Oh boy. Would you like to have a chance to get even? I've never been even in my whole life. You mean I can win everything back? Yes. I got nothing left to bet with. Tell you what, I'll bet you for Felix. That Felix? Yeah, you know, he does the washing, the cook, and takes care of stuff. You know. Oh, Bobby, you'll like Felix. You know, it's not a bad idea. I don't have to tell him if I lose. He does that stuff anyway. What's the bet? I'm going to make it easy for you. What? I'm going to bet you that you can't type your name right in 10 seconds. <laughs> what do you do? What'd you do? You're mucking around with the keys, you rearrange the letters? No, well. no, no. Just psychological pressure. But that's no psychological pressure. I've been writing my name on my collar for 10 years. What do you, what do you think, Marie? Well, if you don't crack, you'll be great. <laughs> Just Oscar Madison, right? Right. You got yourself a bet. Now, no tricks, right? No tricks. I type my name in 10 seconds, I get everything back, right? Right. Okay, buddy, you got it. Oscar Madison. Let me fight. Want to increase the bet? Make it for something more interesting? I'm already betting a human being. How can I make it more interesting? We're Felix. Marie. Okay, Oscar Madison, this is it. For the whole bundle, let's go. Ready? Yeah. Go. One, two, three. There we go. Three, seven seconds. Here we go. Oscar Madison. Hey, if you had been Chinese, you'd have won. How could I have made a mistake like that? Well, you see the last letter? You typed a Y instead of an A. I know what I did. Oscar, I'll give you another chance. Go ahead. You will? Oh, is there a nice guy? Here we go. Ready? Go. Go. One, two, three. Okay. There we go. Seven seconds. And there it is. Oscar Matter Socks. Shine, laundry to take in, pick up suits, call for a dental appointment, and don't forget to pick up the grandmother's piano. Thomas Jefferson signed the Declaration of Independence. In 1863, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. But in 1973, American history was rewritten by Oscar Madison, who cast his best friend into slavery. Well, if you think I'm going along with this, you're crazy. Hungers have always been free. 
Felix, go along with it a little bit. Otherwise, I'll be known as a Welsher all over town. Believe me, I'll win you back. No, you won't. You'll lose double or nothing, and I'll have to bring in my brother from Buffalo. I'll win myself back. Ah, what are you going to do, challenge him to a floor-waxing contest? There's plenty I can do better than Mr. Riggs. Felix, what can you do that he can't do better? I bet I can hold a note longer. So, yeah. well, in the middle of that scene, after Bobby leaves, Felix is giving Oscar this deathly stare because yeah. of what he's done. So, uh, there's three things I remember laughing at uncontrollably as a child watching that <laughs> couple. There's the the role reversal episode. Yeah. There's there's much I fear trouble in the fuselage fabric. <laughs> We're getting there. Yeah. And. Uh, uh, in 1973, history was rewritten <laughs> by Oscar Madison. The first time Felix yeah. says that, I, I vividly remember I must have been 11 or 12, and I can remember yeah. just I couldn't catch my breath. I was laughing it so hard at the way Tony Randall says yeah. that it because I just wasn't expecting it. I just yeah. wasn't expecting him to reference because we didn't know he knew that. And that's true. That is a fair point. Like he wasn't I, there. Right. And I, I know I could pick that apart, but I don't care because it's so funny. But it's a gift that, to the audience. Right? It is, yes. And the <laughs> fact that he went with Oscar Matasoy, which is much funnier than Matasox. Yes. For whatever reason, the, yes. the, 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 the way soy sounds versus socks is just funnier. Uh, there's great continuity here when referencing a brother in Buffalo. Well, it's interesting. I just checked, double check this, but of course, like we know that episode is coming up. Yes, soon. right. So either they, I don't know. So I, I, I don't know what's a coincidence. I mean, they must have remembered this, or somehow, I don't know. That was written by Mickey well, Rose. No, I don't, there was no brother in Buffalo before season four. So I think so, they cr created 
they knew this was coming. Oh, down, oh you said they wrote it now knowing they were having an episode about it. Is that what you're saying? Uh, it's not so much a preview for the episode. It's just like they already created Felix's brother in the Octobal mythology. I who, Okay. It, it is unlike the show to create a character, reference a character, <laughs> and then consistently have that character right. show up later. They don't do, they're not well, very good at that. I, I, from what all I can tell in my research in the, the Outcome Companion about the order of the episodes, I can tell that this was not, it's not like the Buffalo episode was filmed before this. That is not true. But it was clearly possibly in the works before this. So. Well, yeah, somehow they made it work. Or maybe, uh, you know what? Maybe they thought that was a funny, if you're going to have a brother, where else is funnier to bring him in from than Buffalo? And then they said, hey, let's do an episode about his brother in Buffalo. That's probably more likely what happened. Also, as a Seinfeld fan, the butler. Uh, oh, you went there before I did. Oh, okay. Sorry. You go ahead. <laughs> you go ahead. No, you no. Go ahead. All right. So it's. Seinfeld fans will know and will know in the episode of episodes of Seinfeld where the character of Jerry is doing his own show called Jerry. The plot line is, and hopefully I get this right, is that there's an accident and the judge mm-hmm. awards Jerry the driver of the other car as a, his butler as be his butler. Be his butler. <laughs> Do you think that was somehow? Oh my god! This? Well, it's hard. It's hard to resist the question. I have speculated before on various connections between Odd Couple and Seinfeld. Uh, I believe I've called the Odd Couple the proto-Seinfeld as the, like, in before the Seinfeld before Seinfeld of the ultimate New York show with the ultimate New York cred about men living in apartments, you know, in confined quarters. Now, as far as I know, neither Jerry nor Larry David has ever gone on the record of, of, uh, uh, of name-checking or acknowledging the odd couple, but we have shown different points of contact between supporting actors who have been in both shows. Uh, but this is one when I started, when, once I started to watch it, I remembered Felix becoming, now they say slave, they, very, they go further, they go there. They say he's a slave, yeah. Bobby Riggs. But clearly the context and the way Felix behaves is as a butler. Of course, yeah, I thought, oh my God, that he's becoming the butler as a result of some weird judicial system. <laughs> I find it and, hard to believe yeah. that neither Jerry nor Larry yeah. watched, right. didn't watch the couple. I think the couple had to have, well, look, there's Jerry and Larry and there's also like a bunch of other writers. Oh yeah, there's were, tens so of writers. Amongst, Amongst the core writers of Seinfeld, yes. someone knew this episode. Right. So either it it, yeah. it could have been somehow on subconsciously they did it. I like right. didn't even right. realize they're doing it. But I right. I I think I'm going to guess that somebody in that staff right. saw this episode right. and it somehow got translated. Now I will say also in the context of Jerry the sitcom, the fictional sitcom within Seinfeld, it's supposed to be a bad sitcom. So the Butler subplot is supposed to be a bad plot. Yeah. Like something that would never happen. Right. So um, maybe that's also kind of a criticism. I don't know. No, I think you're taking too far now. Okay. And we should say that Tony Randall does the Butler thing to the right. He plays as a Butler. He's dressed in a tie and jacket and he like prepares Mr. Riggs for his, his, his exit he opens the door for him he's playing the role of a butler so the next scene oscar and miriam are playing ping pong in this 
community rec room, I guess. Uh, Murray asks where Felix is. Oscar says he's supposed to meet him there. Myrna asks if he chicken out. And then Felix walks in and says, gather around everybody. Oscar asks where he's been. Oscar says he's been practicing for half an hour. Felix has a box, box of stuff and says practicing is secondary. I've been preparing psychological pressure. Oscar asks what's in the box. And Felix says, pressure, my boy, pressure. We're going to psych him out. Oscar says professionals have tried to psych him out and failed. Felix says, but well, they don't have the crazy younger mind. I thought of things that nobody else would think about. And that leads to this clip. I've tried to psych them out and failed, but they don't have the crazy younger mind. I've thought of things that nobody else will think about. You know what he's going to see the first time he looks at me? Billy G. <laughs> He's going to psych him out. And then when he looks at you, he's going to be doubly psyched. You know what? He's going to see two heads. Felix, I think you're trying to psych me out. Come on, be sensible. Be reasonable. Come on. All right. You'll be Billy Jean King and I'll wear the two heads. How does it look? Does it look realistic? strangers. Hi, everybody. The old double head bit and Billy Jean King cut oh. All right, Mr. Rink will serve. The score is Felix and Oscar 19, Bobby nothing. Gee, that was fast. Oh, it's a handicap. All right? Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Ready, ready. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Hold it. What's the matter? Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Come on. You want this side of the table? No, okay. You can have this side if you want. Let's so right. Damage. We'll be rotten on both sides of our table. <laughs> Keep arguing. That'll distract him. Oh, come on. Say wait something. Say something big. Felix, will you play the game? Yes. Yeah. Make me vote. <laughs> Sir, yes. are Prince. you ready? Yes. Okay. Ah, hey, point under Madison. Words. Word. Do you think you're dealing with some neophyte? The score is nothing to 20 in favor of Unger Madison. Sir, Mr. Riggs? Okay, ready? Ready? Who's <laughs> to my back end? Point to Mr. Riggs. Double C. If it comes on this side, you got to hit it. Technicalities. You hear that? Felix, we just back to The score is 1 to 20. Sir, Mr. Riggs. Okay. You fellas ready? Yeah. So Felix, uh, what, what Oscar ends up wearing is a giant photo of Billy G. King that covers basically his entire body. Yeah. And Felix has this plastic head that sits <laughs> on his shoulder with a very like wispy mustache. Which is weird because was that a standard kind of Halloween costume to have? I don't know, but it, what it reminds me of that this time head. there was those incredible two-headed monster movies, like yes, the, with yes. Ray Milan and Rosie Greer. Yes. Yeah, there's the Ray Milan, <laughs> Rosie Greer, and then the other one. So that's what it reminded me of. Um, and, and I love how Tony Randall makes a great bit of it. He keeps talking to. Yes, yeah, he says, "Do you believe that?" Uh, <laughs> Miriam and Myrna are wearing "We Hate Bobby" sashes over their uh, chest. Uh, so the first point we hear there, Felix and Oscar don't even try for the ball because I think they thought the other one was going for it. And then they both hit their battles into the side of the table. Yes. Um, so we should point out for those who are not ping pong or tennis inclined, uh, which would be uh, 
very few people compared to me who doesn't even follow these sports at all. And by the way, isn't it weird that Felix says like ping pong, that's my game. Yes. When against Bobby Riggs, who's playing, who's a professional tennis player. It is. Ping pong is tennis. Exactly. Yes. That's what Oscar's trying Um, to tell him. But yes. But also um, when Bobby Riggs says, I'll give you 20 points, that means like they 19. 19 they're, 19 they're within two, two points point. of yes, winning exactly and you have yes. to win by two so it's incredible odds that they start with yes uh so i'm going to describe i had to describe a ping pong bath match a good yes match because i'm not there's nothing to i, I can't play it because it's like did you were ball bouncing so it's 20 to 2 now bobby Riggs serves and felix hits it off the table Riggs goes to a box of stuff he brought and he now starts to play with a giant sugar daddy mm. pop to use as a paddle. He right. serves. He, he just like takes on these extra handicaps in a way just to, just to flaunt it kind of how. So he serves and Oscar misses, but now it's six to 20 according to Murray. And there's no cut in the show that implies a passage of time. And this happens the entire game, which I didn't even, I don't think I was very aware of. Yeah. This. Yeah. They, they, they speed it up. Right. Right, but if they don't do any visual clues that indicate it's sped up, there's no cuts, there's no, no music, there's no fade. Well, there are cuts, but the, you don't can't tell like what's a quick cut versus a long cut. Like, well, there's no cut to imply passage yeah. of time. There's a cut to show right, a new right. a new part of the room, but there's no. But it's cut. But dependent, as you say, on Murray being yes. the ref and announcing. It. But it looks like it's just one match going back yeah. and forth with. Mm-hmm. With Murray saying the wrong score, but it's presumably once again bad. Murray being a bad referee. Yes, he's terrible. Well, no, I don't. Well, he's not bad in reality. If we believe there is passage of time, which I have to believe, <laughs> they're just not showing yes. it well. Then yes. it, he's actually not a bad referee here. Um, so we see more gameplay now, but the and he, what he's playing with keeps changing shot to shot. With again. Yeah. No passage of time or no yeah. showing it. So now he's a small ping pong paddle. <laughs> and uh, when he hits the ball, Felix thinks Oscar's going to go for it. But Oscar says it was on Felix's side. So he neither of them go for it. Now Felix again turns to the fake head and says, did you hear that? Now it's 20 to 16. So there's 10 points have passed by <laughs> that we... Basically, Oscar and Felix have not won any. Not won anything, but we don't see any indication that 10 right. points have passed. So now Riggs is playing with a frying pan uh, <laughs> and uh, Felix doesn't hit the ball hard enough when he returns it and it stays on their side. And now it's 20 to 18. And now Riggs is playing with what I think is a, either it's a small tennis racket or it's a badminton racket. I, I couldn't tell what it was. <laughs> it's not a standard tennis it's racket. It's like a, a racquetball racket. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. Maybe yeah, it's racquetball. Right, right. So, um, he Felix hits a ball very hard and it basically goes up into the ceiling. Oscar says, we're not playing baseball here. Yeah. Now Bobby Riggs is playing with his sneaker and the, audi- <laughs> the audience applauds at his yeah. ability to hit it back and forth as a sneaker. Yeah. Felix goes for a backhand, but he hits Oscar's arm instead. And now Felix apologizes. And now it's 20 to 20, two points to win. Now Bobby Riggs has a regular paddle again. Felix serves... Fe- Riggs hits it up in the air with a spin. So it lands on Felix's Oscar's side, but it bounces back to Bobby's side and they can't hit it because it goes too far. Mm. And that was actually a pretty cool shot. The audience applauds. Murray says, Mr. Riggs to serve score 21 to 20. 
Rick says, are you fellas ready? And Oscar and Felix have this blank stare <laughs> on their face. <laughs> they're complaining. Murray asks again <laughs> if they're ready, and they snap out of it and say yes. And Bobby Riggs wins it with a slam shot. And now we're going to play the final clip of the show. They play for 45 seconds, which I'm sure was a treat for the audience then, but I'm not going to subject our audience to 45 seconds yeah. of ping pong. We can take them in doubles. Now, she's, show. as I said earlier, she is horrible. She's oh, just come on. terrible. Oh, come on, she's, she's just being herself. She's not an actor. At, that's what I'm saying. She's <laughs> terrible. She puts her hand when Bobby says $50. Right. She puts her hand on her head, leans it back, and says, big spender. We've had a lot of guest stars who are not actors in this show. <laughs> and they're all, Edward Villela is better. Dick right. Fredericks is better. Yes. She's just, this has got nothing taking away from Billie Jean King. Don't be so sensitive. <laughs> She's horrible on the show. She's always stuck out okay. as somebody, okay. ju just like the temperature thing bugs me. Her horrible <laughs> acting has always bugged Her me. Her line readings are a bit forced and a bit uncomfortable, but. She's a bad her, actress. But her entrance I'm is a I'm a bad actor moment. too. Okay. I'm not denying that. Yeah, her entrance is a big moment and is a good moment for the show. It's a good moment for the show. She's a terrible actress. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's the end of the show until the tag. Now we're back in the living room. Bobby says, thanks for a great dinner. I really enjoyed visiting you guys. Felix says, we enjoyed it too. Listen, we haven't had a chance to get even yet. I'll bet you everything you won from Oscar that within five seconds, that door will open. Jack Kramer will walk in, kiss you on the mouth, and you'll love it. Bobby Riggs says, right, you so got it. Who I'll, is I'll get Jack that. Let, Kramer? Let, let All right. Get, I, I don't want to ruin your mojo. But, but you already did. <laughs> uh, kiss you on the mouth, and you'll love it. Bobby Riggs says, you've got to bet. The buzzer rings. The same woman from the opening of the show who said she was Roberta Riggs comes in, kisses Riggs on the lips and says, my name is Jacqueline Kramer, but my friends call me Jackie. Bobby Riggs says, you win. You hustled me, baby. He turns back to Jacqueline and says, come on, I'll give you a tennis lesson. 
They leave. Felix turns to Oscar and says, for 10 bucks, she'll say she's anybody. And they both laugh. Jack Kramer was a 1940s and 50s tennis star at the same time as Bobby Riggs. That's it. I don't get it. Now I I get it. (laughs) I don't, but I wonder if the audience knew who Well, 1970, it's only 30 years before. I know who who Jimmy Connors is, so there you go. True, but watching tennis when you were a child was very easy in this That's true. It was 40s and 50, yeah 40s and yeah. 50s it wasn't uh how did what i want i don't know how how felix found this woman the same woman bobby riggs <laughs> is, i don't know i don't get how she found uh, how he found her i mean she's a celebrity impersonator of and, some kind and that's the end of the episode um i I like the episode. You seem to be cackling through everything. I I like the episode <laughs> enough. Um, I think the ping pong goes on a bit long, but I understand at the moment in the era, it was significant and, and meaningful. I just find it goes on too long. Um, I don't, her acting bugs me. And some of the gags with the, the, the all the stuff Oscar loses, it's like, it's interesting and again culturally relevant in 1973, but it's eh. I still like it. The Oscar Mattisoy line, particularly mm-hmm. if me yeah. and that one line is yeah. enough for me to give it three and a half Murrays, which is what my score is. Yeah, I I uh, I, I don't think I differ too much. Um, maybe I'd give it four Murrays out of five, just because of its historical importance. I mean, in a way of all the odd couple episodes, this is one that uh, for people who don't even care about the odd couple would be remembered because this, that event between Riggs and Billie Jean King was huge and it, it continues to be huge. So the fact that it immortalized them even more is interesting. It's a cultural document, this episode. So one that few of the odd couple episodes could really qualify as being. Uh, but I also think it's really funny. I think uh, Bobby Riggs is very effective, is he very is. funny. Uh, I saw in reading some of the, the background on this, like he's like he's clearly not to be confused with the Hollywood actor, but he's very good at being himself. And the episode seems to get a lot of mileage out of his persona, out of Bobby Riggs's persona, being offensive and uh, chauvinist. In a, chauvinist in a way that today plays kind of weird it's like i was watching it you know now very sensitive to how this was you uh, know like for, i'll say this is miriam's best episode <laughs> this is eleanor donahue's best episode because it's the one chance where she gets to speak up and actually like have some uh, spine for herself like she comes out as a women's liver and denounces bobby riggs so in a way it's one of miriam's best episodes um, but it does it, let Bobby Riggs uh, kind of uh, be this this devilish antagonist for both of them, and he's it's very effective as that. Uh, I like the way that it's also about Oscar's uh, gambling addiction that he can't stop gambling, even if it's to sell his uh, friend into slavery. And um, I think that. I'm not as bothered by Billie Jean King's acting just because her appearance itself in the show is just so iconic. Uh, and, and, and I want to share with you, uh, I, okay, so I, I've been reading through the, the famous uh, 25th anniversary Odd Couple Companion 
Still Odd After All These Years by Edward Gross, recommended to us by uh, listeners. And uh, it's not often that there's a good like quote, but Edward Gross did interview a lot of the writers and people behind the scenes. And he got a good quote out of Harvey Miller, uh, executive producer about this episode. So here's what Harvey Miller says about Billie Jean King's appearance. She's, he says, Billie Jean King had just beaten Riggs. And I thought, so he's taking credit for her even being in the show. She wasn't even in the original script. I thought what a great coup it would be to get her on the show. So I called up her manager. She was gonna be in a tournament in, in Honolulu. And I said, can she stop in LA on the way and do this little thing for us? And I thought it would be, uh, uh, it would get us a big rating. She said, yes, and that she would be there. Suddenly I was a hero. The president of ABC called me up and said, wow, you've done it now, this is great. Then the next day, her manager called me back and said, Billie Jean doesn't want to do it. And I said, you don't understand. I had the president of ABC on the phone with me about this. She has to do it or I'm out of a job. I'll get her a limo. I'll pick her up myself. And finally, she did do it. She was only hesitant because it wasn't convenient, not because of Bobby, but it was their first public appearance together, by which I think he means first public appearance after the match. Yeah. Which you said was only like a few months before. Yes, two uh, six weeks, like yeah. six weeks before. So, in a way, what redeems the episode in contemporary eyes to our eyes today is her appearance. It is necessary because if she did not appear, it would all be skewed to Bobby. You seem to be taking my criticism acting <laughs> as some sort of negative about her. No, You're, I, 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 her being on the show I raises. She's a bit wooden. Yeah, she's a bit yeah, wooden. Her being on the show is a is a huge. But it's a gap. That, oh, it's a it big gap. Yeah, it's a, and it's a great climax. It's the it's actually a very inevitable natural climax to the episode, which didn't really have one going forward. Now, what I just found, and maybe I'll put it in the show in the when I post it, is I found an ad that Paramount put in a guest newspaper that says Bobby Riggs and Billie Jean King meet the odd couple in the rematch yep. of the century starring right. Tony Randall, and Jack Klugman and the pig who came to dinner with special guest star Bobby Riggs and Billie Jean King tonight, 830. Yep. And there's a picture yep. of Bobby Riggs and Billie Jean King standing back to back holding right. ping pong battles. Right. There you go. So it was a natural fall. As you said, they aired the original match, right? Yes. Yeah. ABC yeah. did. So, um, so yeah. So uh, what's your score? Oh, I said four. Yeah, oh, four. I think right. You said four. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it's it. It has. Uh, it's certainly entertaining uh, on its own value, but the historical significance is huge. And there's not many episodes that you can say have a huge historical significance in this one, in its context, in its time. All right. Well, if you have feedback or information or comments. Or ratings on uh, well, iTunes first no, or... no, no. You're again, you're jumping the gun. What you have a lot of caffeine tonight or something? You are all. Yeah, I, I try. Up. Okay, we should say this is later than usual. Yes, so I'm yeah. To stay awake here. Okay. All right. So if you have feedback or if you have comments or questions or information you'd like to share, you can email us at ten forty nine pod at gmail com. If you have ratings and would like Even to give better. us a five star rating, if you oh would. On iTunes, please feel free to do that. We got another one this week that was very pleasing to see. I mean, even four, you know, that would be okay if you have some gripe with us. Okay. Don't listen to Garrett, who's clearly <laughs> not in his right mind tonight. It's a five. If you don't have a five, please, you don't have to leave it. I will do everything in my power to oppose you, sir.
You hustled me, baby. You hustled me.